If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. And welcome back to another episode of 99 Potions. As one member of Fanbyte likes to call it, the premier RPG Fanbyte podcast, I am one of your hosts, senior managing editor of Fanbyte.com, Stephen Strum. I am joined, as I am every single week, with no interruptions and no differences whatsoever, by podcast managing editor, Merit K. Still going is with that, huh? Is this still your title? I don't know what your title is anymore. Look, labels are, you know, I'm not really into that kind of thing. You just, right. you, job titles, labels, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. all fluid, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's crucially, mysterious. it's not. It's definitely, definitely not, but. Um, you know, mysterious figure, Merit K, capital M, capital <laughs> mysterious F. Mysterious stranger. Mysterious stranger. Uh, yeah, sometimes I appear in bats mode and take someone out for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every time I'm fighting a giant scorpion, I know mm-hmm, you've got my back. Mm-hmm. You know who else often has our back on every single episode of 99 Potions thus far? Just like always, it's Reb Ford from Digital Extremes. I am your, your yeah, I am always, you know, on this podcast, so I'm happy to I be mean, back. I mean, definitely has our back when we're playing Warframe. Well, most well, depending well. on where you are in the story, you may have a <laughs> oh, dissenting oh, oh, opinion. <laughs> nevertheless, I mean, listen. happy to be here. Very excited. Yeah, first time, for... first time guest. Maybe, maybe that's the truth. Someone can Google it. Who's telling the truth? Yeah, I mean, the truth is fluid. Merit just explained this. Mm-hmm. You know, depends on everything what you pick at the is end. true. Nothing is no. Well, well, that's the backwards of how it normally. That's is. kind of the backwards but of how yeah, it normally thank you goes. for for joining us. It's so uh, it's so cool to get to talk to you. I am very excited. This is I've been looking forward to this since I was you know told that this was something that could happen, and now it's happening, and I don't know yeah. what to do. So it's <laughs> happening. Uh, welcome to Ninety Nine Potions, <laughs> where we basically make it up on the fly. Normally, we have Natalie doing the uh, notes for us. Natalie, you know, uh, friend of the friend of the website. She hasn't been on an episode of Ninety Nine Potions before, but she loves to help us out with uh, notes every once in a while. Uh, that's not true. She's of course one of the regular co-hosts. The regular co-hosts for the show are not here this week. Everybody has other business that they needed to attend to, and they don't know anything about Warframe. So we said we asked uh, Merritt to come sit in with us. To talk, and I think what like the yeah. the general gist of where we're going with this in in my head, where I had kind mm-hmm, of uh, mm-hmm. hit was like we've been threatening to do a Warframe spoiler cast where we just talk openly. <laughs> yeah, threatening <laughs> yeah. to speak openly because no, I mean that is a good, a, a weirdly good way of putting it because um. So Stephen, you've been playing Warframe for God knows how long since um, it, since it launched into open beta before early access was a term. Right, you have the you have Excalibur. Uh, 
the fancy Scalibur one. Big Boy, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. which no one else does. Scalibur Prime, yeah. yeah. He's, oh, yeah. Um, and I started playing, I want to say, in early 2020. And uh, definitely it was a game that I got deeply into during the pandemic. And uh, you had told me kind of like, uh, at some point, you know, you had been like, oh, do you want to know the big Warframe twist? And I was like, yeah, I'm never going to play this game. So sure. Uh, <laughs> and you told me, and I was like, wow, that sounds pretty cool. Um, and then like two years later, or however long, um, I actually played it and I knew what was coming, right? And I still just started like bawling. And that was like, I think like the first time a video game had made me cry that I could remember. Um, and what's wild about that? And like, we, okay, folks, if you don't know what I'm talking about yet, this is the point of no return. You should know by now. But like, the community has done such a good job of like keeping this huge twist a secret for years at this point. And um, like, Reb, how how do you like feel about that? Like, how, like now it's finally starting to become like, okay, you're, we basically have to be upfront about there's this other aspect of the game where you are actually a character who's been controlling these Warframes the whole time. Um, but what was that like to like be working on this game and with this community that has did such a good job of keeping that major twist secret from new players. Oh, it's, I I have been in the industry a long time now. I've worked on this game for a long time and it's still kind of weird that there's not really anything else like it. And I think there's Mm. a, like, if, we're going to go right into using, you know, mafia terminology because that's, you know, let's just go right there. It's kind of like an, like the Warframe Omerta is like, (laughs) we, we, and it's not like in a weird way, even though by making it mafia, I kind of did make it weird and probably the worst (laughs) analogy I could ever choose. But, you know, video games teach us things and I learned my mob language through video games. But uh, the, it's just a very respected and understandable part of what you want someone else to experience, because I think unlike other art forms, video games are experienced interactively, very blah, 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 dissertation and here on that. And I think everyone wants, like you said, that it was the first time that a video game had made you cry in your memory, uh, recent memory or whatnot. And I think for a lot of people, it has that, you know, a rare experience where you get an emotional surprise from a unexpected package of a video game because their game is sci-fi, it's weird. You You think it's just, you know space shooter and then when it's not when it's not it's like you don't want to deprive anyone else of that emotional surprise and as a result you have this organic because it has been an organically kept secret you know we've right we've used the operator in marketing at times when we need to market to the people that know the secret, right? Because you kind of have to tell the people that are at the tip of the spear what's coming and you need to use certain assets, whatever decisions for that. But regardless there's still that organic layer of community, emotional, I guess, I don't even know what the word would be, but like pathfinding to the Warframe experience. So yeah, it's nice. It's lovely. It makes me feel happy. It makes me feel uh, privileged to have such a rare and communal understanding. And that is how it makes me feel to directly answer your question. So yeah, I mean, I guess just for people who maybe don't know and want to know, and like, don't want to go looking elsewhere for it. Um, basically, you know, X number of years, was it was like five or six years into the game's existence? It was December 2015 that we released that, which would have been technically three 
years from our closed beta. So okay. three years so, into the game, let's say. So up to that point, Warframe is like a space ninja game. And um, there's narrative and there's characters and stuff. But you, you are a space ninja. And sometimes you switch to a different kind of space ninja. And it's never really explained how that is the case. Um, you are not a speaking character. You're not a first, speaking like, character. Yeah. You, you are a, a silent protagonist. And, um, you know, you're you're doing missions. You're just getting down like hundreds of, of goons. Um, and then it turns out that you, you go on this story mission and you find out, oh, actually, the character I have been playing as the whole time is basically a child soldier who has been asleep on the moon and is controlling these Warframes, which you later learn were people, but kind of twisted into this like biological weapon form. Um, and there's a scene where you see yourself for the first time. You, you encounter the pod where your character is and you do a character, you know, you create that character. Um, and then you are carrying this fragile child who has basically been dreaming for, for decades um, out of this pod and uh, like with your Warframe. And it's like just unbelievable. And like the closest thing I can think of in games is to like, and it doesn't really come close because it's a narrative game mainly and it's a single player thing was like Knights of the Old Republic when you learn that oh you're Revan um, right. but like this there's so much build up to it that like it just comes out of left field and it's crazy and I mean I think a lot of the new war stuff too um, Stephen you're more familiar with that than me so maybe you can speak to that but just like it seems like there's some kind of similar um, themes of just like gut punches like oh yeah we're gonna do this like it's a live game and you think we can't change the world state like <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the, this is kind of like the the thing is the se the main story that it, as it is really starts off with the second dream, which is what Reb just talked about a minute ago, and then like at least from the outside looking in and Reb, you could maybe say if I'm completely reading this wrong, but it feels like this is very much like the conclusion of that arc in the new war. Uh, the stuff that begins in the second dream kind of like comes to a close and opens up the door to new weirder stuff. We'll say definitely, definitely <laughs> new weirder stuff. Looking at my other monitor, even in fact, yeah, you're, you're right. We, we certainly consider the new war. Uh, the, the story you started with reaches its natural conclusion but not in a like the game's over way but right. in a, like the characters that got you to this point their story has reached a conclusion but those characters aren't done yet just the element of their story is specific one character specifically most obvious because <laughs> they're you know not alive but <laughs> but yeah yes yeah, I mean, so we we get to the end of this and like we we've seen why these child soldiers exist, the Tano, uh, which is always going to be funny to me. I brought this up uh, to <laughs> Steve at one time, uh, uh, one point at uh, TennoCon that uh, I always think about Hayden Tenno from Dark Sector, a game that nobody <laughs> remembers, I feel like, at least um, in my audience, at the very least, Um because, yeah, the, the characters are called the Tenno. Um, the, they were designed to fight uh, the sentients, which are sort of these, like, rogue terraforming robots that have come back through the sort of a warp gate from another uh, galaxy or another part of the another system in the Warframe universe. And it um, turned against their masters, who are also pretty evil. The Tenno turn against them. They, there's a whole bunch of betrayals within betrayals. Some people are being manipulated. Some people are being mind-controlled. Some people are 
pretending to be other people because they're actually weird sort of shape-shifting mimics. Right, Rab, I don't know if you would know anything about that, but there's a character <laughs> in Warframe who um, you think is kind of your friend for a very long time, but then actually it turns out that she's a completely different person. Is her name I, Lotus by any okay, chance? Okay, yeah. So yeah, I wanted so. to ask you about this actually because um, I think you have kind of like a unique position in the live game ecosystem right now because um, even, you know, there there are comparable games to Warframe in a lot of ways, right? Like um, there are MMOs, there's Destiny, there's like all these other games that are doing similar kinds of things mechanically and maybe even sometimes narratively. But I don't know that any of those games have had a single character that has been so strongly attached to like the guiding you through the game kind of experience. Um to the point where like this character, you know, for a long time was just referred to, and I guess still kind of is as space mom. Right. Um, what is, so what is it like to like play that character, especially then when you're going through, when the narrative is changing, right? Like what were the reactions like when Lotus is like suddenly not the player's friend anymore? You know, I was I asked before this if this was a video podcast because this is where you would see me light light up the cigarette and take a huge drag. Like, yeah, was that fun well, for you to be able to do that? Or well, Merritt, I'm glad you asked uh-huh. because <laughs> it has been the I have never looked too closely. You know, the expression like if you stare too close in the yeah. abyss, it'll it'll stare back into yeah. you. And I just don't look too closely because in our you know in modern times, it's 2022 mm-hmm. now. You know, there's all of the very important lessons about because games of service have basically just taken over, right? It, right, when, right. when we started Warframe, it was 2013, and I voiced the Lotus because we had no budget, and I had <laughs> <a microphone. laughs> like that is what happened. Yeah, yeah. And now it's been we're coming on. You know, not we just wrapped up our nine year anniversary, and I still am not an actor, but I still have a microphone, and I'm still doing it, even though we have more budget because reasons. You know, it just it just stuck. Like, why change yeah. if it kind? Yeah. So. It kind of worked. Why change it? People got used to it. It's too late to change it now, that's for sure. <laughs> so we just kept it. And for me, it just becomes very exciting, but very difficult in equal measure because mm. like I like I started my 2022 ramble because you'll find that if you follow certain bubbles on Twitter, there it's very easy to put a lot of meaning into what you work on. And there's often, you know, advice to decouple your self-worth from your game and decouple your sense of self from your video game project because a lot of game developers are working on live service games uh, because that is is how it's going. And it's very difficult for those developers to not feel what their communities are feeling if they've made a mistake or if they've had a huge win in their game. Right. You, you can see the way game developers interact on Twitter if they've had a good or bad update, right? Yeah. So, like, it's very obvious. This is just what happens. So I think there's a very complex layer to my work specifically because not only am I doing the, the community work for it with my team, but I'm also a character, right. which means that I'm getting... Sort of, I'm either getting sunshine from every yeah. angle, or I'm getting blazing hellfire from right, every angle. Right, so, because right. it's one thing to like read feedback and be like, oh, you know, you read your feedback, and you internalize it, but then you're also like, oh, and that woman won't shut the f up, and right. me, and I'm like, oh shit, like I don't know yeah. what to do now. No, yeah, I right. mean it's such a unique position, like you know, to compare again to Destiny, which is a game that I also play a lot of. Um, you know that game. When when Destiny 2 launched, like, you know, they're like, okay, we have this budget to to hire voice actors. So, like, most of those characters are being voiced by 
like big name voice actors. Peter Dinklage and Peter, Bill Nighy. Yeah. And, you know, um, the most interaction that, you know, they, they'll interact with the community, um, but, but no one of those characters is sort of the voice in your head constantly. Um, and, you know, someone like Lance Reddick gets to have a lot of fun with that stuff. And no one, I think, is ever going to be mad. Real. I mean, I'm sure there are total psychos who are mad at Lance <laughs> Reddick. Um, but it's a different kind of thing, right? Of like, he, you know, he gets to record fun memes and stuff. And like, um, it, it's like, okay, maybe if Ikora or like another female character in Destiny was like the character who was leading you through everything, it would be similar. But it just seems like wow, like I have no idea how you, how you manage that. Like not, I'm not trying to imply that it's terrible or, or anything like that, but just like, it seems like a lot to deal with. Yeah. I think at an objective level, the concept of boundaries is very firm when you're a professional mm. voice actor with an IP that you don't right. control. And yes, in my case, yes. I, I'm not a professional voice actor. <laughs> I do have control over the IP and I'm a public face of the game. So right. all of those, it's just, a, it's a very objective con concept of boundaries and how you manage them really, because for people, like Lance, uh, he does get to do everything you just said and not have to worry about hot fixing the next build, right? right like no right, one right, looks yeah. to Lance for patch notes. Like they don't ask Lance where the patch notes. Oh, I'm sure they do actually. We get wait. comments on our website asking, yeah. like, when is this bug going to yeah. be fixed in Monster yeah. Hunter? It's like, yeah, we, predi know. we predicated this joke with like, no one's going to be a psycho to Lance, but maybe we should not have. Because, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no one's going to ask him for patch notes because that's not the expectation. And mm -hmm. it's, it, I'm not saying it's even my own personal boundaries of I don't know when to turn on Lotus mode and turn on professional mode. It's the community too it's equally confusing yeah. for them because they're like oh right, i want right. to ask reb for a patch note but i also am mad because like it's, <laughs> it's confusing it's confusing yeah. for everyone and it's not confusing isn't inherently negative i would say mm -hmm. it can be but it's just right. interesting you know it's it's just confusing interesting boundary this and that yeah I mean, like the the actual closest like comparison I can point I can think of right now is like Hades, which is a game that is a lot of the people doing the voices and playing the characters in that game, like Zagreus. Yeah, like Darren Corb. It's right. Darren. Right, yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, try, do, like do I again? If we had a camera on, you would see my Hades shrine. But a lot, <laughs> you will not see it. You're in good company. This website is one of the like collectively one of the biggest Hades fans on the planet. Oh but my like, god, that game. That game, like, but that was a game where they they put that into the world and Supergiant traditionally, you know, maybe maybe we'll see some one day, but traditionally they don't do DLC or many post-release updates uh, on their games kind of in general. Whereas, like, yeah, Warframe is like a living, evolving product where not only is, like, the story adding new stuff sometimes, but like old stuff, like old lines and old missions and stuff like that are are ripped out of the game and replaced with new stuff. Like that's just mm. the way that live games are made these days. And so like having to kind of like not only uh, make, a, you know, this character work from like expansion to expansion, but also having to like go back and think about like, oh, there's people still re-experiencing old stuff that I would maybe do completely differently back in, you know, 20 years ago or whatever it ends up being in the future has to be like really weird. It is. It's all weird. Everything, because I don't know, a lot of companies will plan for their game as service roadmaps and all that stuff, which we, we kind of do by necessity now, but we really didn't know what was going to happen and we still don't know what's going to happen. So as a result, every decision has been informed by the single, every decision along our journey has been informed, I would say, by the very singular idea that 
people like updates in our video game, so let's do more. And <laughs> it doesn't get, it's like, it's not that deep. It's not, well, obviously there is a lot of amazing work and talented team uh, developments that go into it, but it, it, we're very much still figuring it out despite the fact that it's been nine years, so. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, you know, in terms of new content and stuff like that, I don't know that there are many games other than Warframe that, like, touch on some of the stuff that Warframe does in new updates in terms of story, too. Like, it, it, like games like this. Destiny is also a game that I, I quite enjoy. But, like, at the end of the day, Destiny is, like, there's a big space god, go shoot it with your gun. And, mm. you, you know, in Warframe, you're you're ultimately also usually going in and, and, you know, just attacking people and stuff like that. But you always think about, like, Fortuna and helping to lead a workers' revolution against... <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, God, yes. That, fucking chills the first time I heard that song. Yes! Just like, oh, oh, we all lived God. together? Yeah, that was just like... Wait, what am I even playing? <laughs> what is happening right now? That's yeah. It's a very it's a very forgiving world to create in because you can really do whatever you want, and then it would make sense for the context of the game. So it's yeah. I don't know, man. It is by far every time I see something new in development, it's just such a surprise to me. And it's it's the, on the spectrum of you, like risk to reward, we're probably riding both ends extremely aggressively. Like I think of, mm. I play a lot of games. And when I think of the, the risks and rewards that come with the choices those game mates, a lot of them are tight in the center. Like the, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're low risk, but still rewarding. Um, right. But then we, we make some decisions sometimes that are high risk, high reward, or, you know, doesn't go as planned all the time. So it's, and we've done every single permutation of that metaphor. So, you know, which which is inevitable over time that you're going to have some misses or you're going to have some home runs and we've done them all. So, yeah, I I mean, you can't, you can't like get those home runs if you don't take those swings. Right. And sometimes that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you're going to, you know, the community, I, I imagine like won't react the way you anticipate to something. And that's just something that I feel like is, inevitable in live games Hmm. these days. And like, it's, um, and I think like, I don't know, I feel like communities are still kind of adjusting to that too, of like having like some graciousness towards, um, towards devs, if that makes sense. Um, of just like, okay, yeah. Like, you know, maybe something is, is a little bit broken. Like it's going to be tweaked or it's going to be changed or, or it's getting, it's a living thing, right? It's like, it's such a different mode of, creating than here is our thing you can enjoy it and that's it right yeah it's a it is an interaction and not a broadcast often when you're doing the live service update thing and i think graciousness is a really good word because it's almost like the metric of, in which the vote because you really can only ever assess your work by the vocal community. And there's always people that are saying oh the vocal minority vocal majority i'm sure you see that thrown mm, around all the yeah. time right So you kind of, I always find that is a bit of a, I don't really know how to phrase this, but like there's, yes, there is the vocal majority and then there's the silent, there's just ways of explaining Mm -hmm. the health of a live service game that always comes down to people only really use the the vocal metrics, right? Like, like no one, when they're participating in the game reaction discourse is doing it silently, like even by... By Nate, but even by observing the discourse, you're forming an opinion on it. So right. even if you're not contributing to it, you're 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 coming to a conclusion about how good an update is just by 
being a passive participant, regardless of if you're part of the vocal you know, group on it. And I'm going right. somewhere with this. I'm not just ranting. <laughs> uh, my point is, and there is a point, is that for, for me being on sort of the inside and the outside, because I play a ton of games, I always need to think about the opinions I've formed about other service games and what I based it on. And then mm. I have to apply that to how people are viewing Warframe at any slice in time because I am like super addicted to Final Fantasy 14 online and I play it all the time. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't participate in the community because I just don't. Like I, I just I do, but I don't, right? Like I don't right. I don't have hot takes and I don't broadcast my hot takes, but I read others because it helps me do my job better with my game, I think, when I see and understand what graciousness is allowed in these communities or Mm. how the developers are treated and I can do it outside my Warframe bubble and it I think it informs the way I can interact in my Warframe bubble because I kind of get I get what the playing field is like for that game and what the discourse is and why the discourse is the way it is and what decisions triggered what responses with what vocal majorities minorities what have you so point being yeah I don't know I had a point there does that make sense yeah (laughs) Yeah, sure yeah yeah, absolutely I was actually going to straight up ask a minute ago and you already answered like half my question just then, which was basically, I remembered like from a dev stream, you making like some kind of like very offhanded comments. It's just like completely throwaway thing about like Final Fantasy 14. It was like, oh, you know, a game that just did a big thing where it ended a years long story that it had been building up to for a long time is Final Fantasy 14. And now we're also seeing that in Warframe with the new war kind of ending things with the, you know, the the sort of weapons manufacturer for people who absolutely are just completely uninformed about the story of Warframe. There's like kind of this main villain named Ballas, who's sort of an old arms dealer, scientist, manufacturer kind of guy from, from a forgotten age who uh, is in this sort of my read on it very much was was it was sort of like an uh, emotionally abusive relationship with with uh, your character, the Lotus, and stuff like that. And that was just that's just my personal take on where a lot of that stuff ends up going. You do all that stuff, fight the big bad guy, he blows up, all that stuff. But then that's kind of the end of the new war. And meanwhile, over in Final Fantasy, they're doing like Endwalker, and Endwalker ends the stuff with the the Asians and the stuff. Something we've talked about here on Ninety Nine Potions a whole lot. And I'm kind of curious, like you see this happen in media all the time with like everybody doing vampire stuff at the same time or everybody doing cowboy stuff at the same time and just six movies all come out that tend to do this same trend and I'm kind of curious if that is the kind of a greater trend that you at Digital Extremes have like observed and that's kind of why it felt like time to wrap things up and move on to something new or if this was just like kind of a complete coincidence or like what kind of inspirations and like influences are kind of like weighing on the Warframe story right now? That was definitely a coincidence because, like it or not, we started advertising the new war in 2018 and we raised (laughs) it at the end of 2021. So that's true. Good point. I mean, like that, that is a a fact. Uh, no need to Google that fact. The the 2018 <laughs> TennoCon ended with a new war trailer, I'm fairly confident. And yeah, then it released at the end of 2021. So reasons being reasons, things happened. It took a long time. LOL tried to adapt to remote work in a pandemic, but we did it. It's out. And the timing is purely coincidental. However, having said that, um, the I think a lot of the patterns, we'll say, or correlations among live service game developers is most observable in release cadence. And you'll often see uh, update uh, developers not of similar sizes, because I think we're a 
very small team compared to some mm-hmm. other game as service right. titles. Like, I think we're probably one of the smallest if you look at all the other games as services. Um, everyone seems to try and to match the release cadence. Uh, and I don't know, to be honest, if it's <laughs> orchestrated by any top-level thinking, like, oh, Final Fantasy does updates every four months. We should do. Or, you know, name insert game name there. But it does right. seem, it does seem to be, at least in my experience, that you need a a update cadence that isn't too long but isn't too short because if it's too short you can't make meaningful enough updates or your updates will just be rushed um which we've suffered from or if they're too long people will lose interest in your game which we've also suffered from so mm-hmm. people are trying to find that sweet spot of quality updates over time and it seems to be four month cycles to be honest and that's where everyone's kind of coincidentally gravitated toward at least in the games i play so yeah i would and i like mm-hmm. I was just going to say, I wonder too, if like, you know, just like the concept of like uh, one era ending and like a new era beginning. Maybe oh, that's just you're like saying a greater... like the, the broader theme, the, not, not literally the, you know, objective scheduling, the thematic <laughs> relevancy. Um, I think that is okay. So let me think when I started, uh, I, I honestly, that's just a coincidence too, because we, I think we share a journey with some other long, long-term long games in terms of when our games launch and where the arcs have gone and the time to make those major updates, but pretty, n- n- no intentional theming with, you know, I guess if like Avengers Endgame came out that year too, it would be like this oh, massive, God. you know, <laughs> maybe it did. I don't even know when that, did that come out last year? No. no have. I have no sense of time. I think it was a 2019 Oh, okay. Never it was mind. definitely pre-pandemic because yeah, uh, oh, I was in I a theater. In theaters. Yeah. yeah, okay. Never mind. I was like, man, if that came out anyway. Point being, <laughs> thematic co- coincidences, but thematically a devastate. Oh, there's the Google April 26, 2019. Um, thematically devastating year end for me, definitely. Uh, that's mm-hmm. really where you wanted to go with that because the, the arc <laughs> was over. I played Endwalker in the New War within like one week of each other, and I'm pretty sure I just sat in my room and cried for a week straight because of both of them. So, good times. That's why we play video games, right? It's to uh, <laughs> <laughs> devastate to ourselves cry. until we, yeah, to cry. Yeah. Famously. Yeah. Famously. Uh, games famous for their fam- crying. Famously, yeah. Um, one, so one thing, like, I'm kind of curious about from the perspective of someone, you know, working on a live game, uh, you know, I'll, I'll play, you know, Coreframe or Destiny and, and be like, and have these really you know, intense moments, like, which is something that I think live games can do in a really cool way, because just by virtue of playing something for so long, you build investment with the world and the characters. And so I think there almost is like more potential sometimes for those moments to happen. But like, I can have those because I've been playing these games for like, however long, right? Right. Um, But, you know, if I tell someone, oh, hey, you should really play the new season of Destiny, because wow, you will not believe what happens to Crow. And like, there's so much trauma stuff and like facing your shadow and all these things. They'll just be like, who are any of those people? <laughs> and it's like, you can't even, some, sometimes like this older stuff, um, you know, gets uh, vaulted or replaced or, or whatever. Um, so how do you like, like, how do you strike that balance? Of, I know this is, you know, on, in one sense, primarily like a dev question, but like, like narratively, how do you strike the balance of like giving payoffs to longer term players while also like having someone new come in and be like, okay, I I have a sense of where I fit in this world. It's 
distressingly hard to do. And (laughs) it is the cause of the, probably the cause of the most debate internally, because for Mm. the start of this podcast, we were saying, oh, when you get to the second dream, that's an important thing and it makes you feel, it makes you cry. And, you know, every now and then someone will say, maybe we should make it within the first five hours of the game. And we're kind of like, yeah, we probably should because you know, competition and no one Mm -hmm. wants to go through 20 hours of grinding to get an emotional high. But then you have to ask yourself is what makes the second dream work. The fact that it is so, uh, hidden and it's not in that first five hours of your journey. These are just rough numbers. Mm -hmm. So, and for us, that is a huge problem to continue debating because we need, we know the strength of our story. I'm just going to I'm not yeah. being, you know. No, I mean, right. <laughs> you shouldn't have to like, be humble about it. It's a good <laughs> yeah. story. Like, we know the strength of that as a player, as pe- watching people react to it. And that is something that when you, if you're making any critical decisions about how to improve your game, for us, we can't take anything away that works from the story. So we need to remove obstacles from accessing it, figure out ways, you know, all of these things that I'm describing. And for us, it's not really an option to remove any part of it, but we have removed, like we've done seasonal events. Mm -hmm. And in 2015, there was an event that gave you some lore on a character, Alad V, which is currently somewhat absent from the game because the player who didn't play that event didn't get that interaction with him even though that's not a main story critical interaction, but I really still... need to know where Alad V got his his jacket from. That's like a really <laughs> crucial. It is, you know. And if you only played the jacketing event, mm-hmm. you would you would know. Oh, but you know, <laughs> the jacketing. Yeah, it's it's. It, I don't know. It's there's so many problems and solutions available. It's very hard. Everyone's trying to do it. If you sort of, I mean, I'm trying to. I, I know you keep mentioning Destiny, but I'm going to keep mentioning Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Like, Do it. If I want to get one of my friends into the game, I can play the entire campaign with them, or I could, mm-hmm. you know, slip them forty bucks and buy them a story, <laughs> right. buy them a story skip. But then it's like, oh my god, you just skipped the shit that I've been simping about and doing cosplay right. over. You're not going to have any idea who I'm cosplaying or who I'm getting <laughs> fan art made of. Like, don't you want to know who this, these characters are? And of course they do, but they also don't want to spend. 120 hours figuring it out so i mean final fantasy is a game that has very clearly dealt with that same issue and has approached it in pretty much the exact opposite way which is them basically saying let's just cut a bunch of this stuff out like they they did that um the the crunch of the of the story mode stuff for the for the 1.0 it's like yeah we know nobody likes the early stuff so let's just like cut out 25 percent of it yeah and we kind of have a yeah go ahead sorry oh no no please we have a, or at least I have a list of now, every time we release something that comes after the new war, we need to shorten the road to get there mm. by equal amount. And it can't be, meet, like, like when I say shorten the road, I don't mean like, oh, cut out this quest. Never, no, no, no. I mean, right. oh, holy shit, in 20, am I allowed to swear? By the oh, way. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Encouraged, even. Uh, <laughs> fantastic. Uh, so when it's, when we look at a decision made in 2015 or 2016 or 2017, it's been five years. You need to review those decisions. So Mm. one of them recently we cut out was you used to have to build a specter before you could progress in the star chart, which is either an eight hour. That's like an eight hour wait wall or pay to progress. And we're like, okay, that's kind of an antiquated decision. Just let's just get rid of that. So that alone, someone can now 
on paper reach the story eight hours faster if they're a totally free player. So you just need to look at everything, every obstacle on the road to the new war, which is what I call it, because we know what the road is. You have to do second dream, you have to do war within, you got to do sacrifice, you got to do chains of harrow, all that stuff. And anything that's an obstacle to that just needs to go away if it doesn't mm. make sense for it to be there. And it's super challenging because we also build all this other cool shit like Railjack and Necromex, and those are right. mandatory for the new war, which we're trying to make easier for players to get. Mm-hmm. But they're still, you know, if you were to ask a consulting firm, they would still say those are obstacles to the new war. Like if your mm. goal is get player to new war, those are two obstacles. So now we have to figure out what we're going to do about that and make it easier and all, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, there's there's a lot of cool content in the game that you could absolutely basically never see if you didn't mm-hmm. know to look for it. Like, uh, you know, Eidolon hunting, profit taker fights, that sort of stuff. Like, that is, like, this really big thing. And, like, I know uh, <laughs> Merritt and I, I tried to catch Merritt up with the up to the new war over the weekend. And um, she, like, logged into the game, and I just remember hearing her go, ah! And she was, like, bombarded with, like, uh, messages from Ortis. Yeah, it was just like, oh, by the way, we've made this easier. Uh, Railjacks are easier to get now. Necromex are easier. Here's a here's some blueprints over here. We've refunded all your focus points, because that stuff is completely changed now uh, to make it, you know, a little bit more streamlined. But here's a bunch of items that you can turn in to get extra focus XP. And, like, that stuff is, is super, super appreciated, I think, by, by most people. But, yeah, I'm sure that is such a weird line to walk, especially like the if a person i i will i will admit it and i'm sorry reb if this is, makes me a bad person uh i tend to play warframe in fits and starts so i, I tend oh, to i like, thought you were a bad person before you said that so oh okay wow. so just then, I'm, then i'm good because yeah, no, yeah nothing's changed um I usually play like uh, I'll be like, oh, I'm it's a new update time. I'm going to play 60 hours for the next like two weeks. And then I just completely fall off for for two months. And then I come back and I play like a a ton again and then I fall off. Um, And if you are somebody who falls off for a long time, like a lot of that stuff can change. And and this is not just a Warframe exclusive problem. This is this happens in Path of Exile and all kinds of other stuff. But like all the stuff that I used to know how to do is just gone or completely changed or whatever. Like this, this character that was my, my go-to you know, if you, if you were one of those people playing Zephyr a lot before her rework, for instance, I don't know how many of those people exist. You know, all of the big Zephyr fans before the rework, because it was such a high tier frame. Yeah, exactly. Um, you could come back and theoretically be like, I don't even know what this character is. Anymore. I mean, only dwarfed by the Grendel. Uh, it, yeah, the Grendel meta. Think, yeah. Um, yes. Grendel was the first Warframe that I ever got. I don't know. <laughs> I've never told that to you. That might put you in a very unique, unique. <laughs> when I experience. when I started playing, um, I was like, I'll pick Excalibur because swords are cool. And then um, I was like, I think Grendel was the newest one. And I was like, Oh, this yeah. seems cool. It's like I love Kirby, so sure, yeah, I'm gonna be Grendel. And then was just try- I was like, I don't know how to play Warframe. <laughs> and then it turned out that a lot of it was just like, oh no, it's this kind of a weird guy. But um. But that seems, yeah, like that seems almost harder to me than like the new player experience is like the returning player experience, right? Right. Because like, because a new player maybe doesn't necessarily have expectations, but like a returning player, um, you know, they're bringing all these things with them. And a lot of times people are afraid of change. And so like, yeah, how do you like, you know, catch people up and like and say like okay no 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 it, it's still it's still what you liked but here's all the, the things that are better now 
Well, uh, did anyone have the answer to that on this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, hey, Jordan, you want to come into the call sure. real quick? Yeah, and just Jordan, Jordan could you Google, this? Jordan, really quickly, <laughs> Google how to get returning players to understand Warframe? Because if you could, I would be most interested in what Google has to say about that. Because uh, that seems like because, a big struggle, right? Because like, you know, if it's, it's, I, I kind of wonder almost like how much um, you or like any live game developer uh, looks to like TV series, like long running TV shows to mm. sort of deal all with the stuff. All the time. I use anime metaphors. I call it like, we're one piece. <laughs> okay, like I just, yeah. <laughs> like we're totally one piece. And it's, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, for the times when I'm sort of in like, let's say casual, it's a weekend and I'm just shooting the shit with some friends talking about video games. There are a few things I would rather like someone I'm sort of friends with for whatever, tell me like, oh, I tried Warframe and I couldn't get into it. Uh, didn't really play that much. I would rather hear that than, oh, I love Warframe. I played for like 500 hours, but I just can't get back into it. Like mm-hmm. to me, that is so much worse. Cause I'm like, weird. like, like, right. first of all, I do, I do think you can be done with Warframe. You, sure. can, you can have all the fun you're ever going to get out of the game because you played it for like thousand hours you binged it you got what you wanted from it congrats like that's awesome but there's something so much more difficult to problem solve about the person that has having trouble getting back into it that mm. they know they're not done with their warframe journey but they just don't know how to get back into it and that i think that's probably the biggest problem we have because the game's been around for so long that you're gonna have people that played for hundreds of hours in 2015 or 2017 right. but there's so much for them to play now and it's a it, there's just so much there and it's like there's great stuff to play and there's a great like mm-hmm. If you haven't come back for the new war, I don't know what's going to get you back in the game because that is very much a crown jewel-ish. Like, just mm. again, I'm, I'm just using quick metaphors here. Obviously, there's it's not perfect, but it's a very good reason to come back to the game. And if you didn't, then it's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, right, right. This is almost like a weird place where our kind of like two roles in the industry sort of overlap in a weird way because that's like literally... At least at Fanbyte, at a website that covers a lot of live games very often, like when they when we started the website, they asked like, okay, what are we going to focus on? And one of the things that like John and Dylan and I like hammered on was just like, we got to cover live games because nobody nobody knows these games well enough. No, nobody who is covering video games is covering video games six months after that game comes out because nobody yeah. has the time. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, our guides need to focus on that kind of stuff because, like, if you look at things like Steam charts or, or other things and, like, see who's playing what, there's, like, you know, obviously there are, there are standouts. Like, Elden Ring is going to explode for two months, but then a lot of the times it's like, yeah, number 10 game, it's still Warframe, and it's still been Warframe this whole time. There's just, like, quietly humming in the background, being incredibly popular, and, like, you know, I've, I just dropped in the chat here, like, I'm trying to solve this for Warframe by like doing infographics and stuff. It's like, what is it that makes it click for people? And we, it was, we were coming off of like kind of a weird place when, when Fanbyte got like founded where everybody had pivoted to video and that turned out to be a huge scam. All the, all the Facebook stuff with like oh, them yeah. their numbers. And the thing about video is like people hate video guides a lot of the time. People hate scrubbing through videos to like find specific little bits of information at the 30 seconds in or 40 seconds in when they could just hit control, you know, or, or hit F4 mm. and then look for a specific word in a in a text guide or have a, their phone open and continually refer back to stuff like that. So that's something that we've been like trying to solve. And it's like, but with Warframe, it's often like the game is so big. It's like, how do we even tell people what they don't know 
Like, how are, how do we make it so people can find this information because they don't even know the, what they don't know? Mm. Yeah, it's I I, I kind of see the overlap you're describing because of those elements, indeed. Because the game has, you know, we've had a consistent you know, group of players for quite some time. And we're always just kind of the, the, the one consistent bit on, you know, the top 30, top 20 steam charts or what have you just, we're just kind of there, you know, sitting, sitting around people still playing, but we're not like, we're not in the, at least like, it's weird. Cause I'm on, I don't even know where I'm going with this now. Do you have any questions before I keep rambling? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm uh, what's actually, your favorite moment from that? <laughs> oh yeah, go ahead. No, I mean like continuing on that trend of like media stuff. I'm curious, like what is, um, your sense of how, um, you know, people who aren't like dedicated Warframe content creators, like people outside of that ecosystem, what is your sense of the perception of the game today from, you know, like an IGN or, or from other sites like that? Because mm. like Steven was talking about, um, I think there still is a perception that a lot of live games are, well, especially with Warframe is, you know, is, is kind of an interesting example, right? Because um, it, I think, has shed a lot of the stigma of free-to-play, but definitely had that for a long time, mm. um, for better or worse. And, you know, uh, I think a lot of people looking uh, in from the outside were, like, not really sure what it was about and just sort of saw, oh, it's free-to-play, oh, it's, you know, exploitative or whatever, um, do you think that's changing? Has like the perception of the game, have people started to be like, oh, I see why all of these people <laughs> like it now? I haven't had to critically engage with monetization criticism in a lot. Well, that's not entirely true, but I haven't <laughs> had like in terms of like general gaming perception of mm -hmm. our monetization, I haven't had to engage too much in trying to, you know, correct folks or make sure that everyone has the right understanding. I do think we the stigma has worn off. Like we've made yeah. like one monetization choice last year, I think that ruffled a lot of feathers that we rectified within, you know, a month mm. or so. And it was, and everyone kind of understood it wasn't like a, like a, 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 an on the slick monetization thing. It was literally right. just like, a, oh, we could have done it better. So we fixed yeah. it. At least that's what I hope, like some people probably still hold a grudge about it, but they would, the grudge would be misplaced because we didn't right. do it out of malice. It was nothing of that nature. So most people seem to get that. And I think you mentioned graciousness earlier, and that goes to show that people can be gracious if, mm. you know, we are responsive and fix mistakes and such. So I think like the monetization side from the outside industry perspective looking in, in my opinion, as ill-informed as it may be, I think we're kind of over any, any, knee-jerk criticisms to our game being monetization-driven, I just don't think mm. are a problem. But uh, because I'm on a podcast with people and I've been sitting alone for two years, it's nice to talk. Uh, the <laughs> like, I actually don't know what the perception of Warframe is if you're not in the uh, bubble of it because I think right. we do have a perception problem and I don't know why and I don't know what it is. I'm so close to the, like I'm very lost in the sauce of Warframe. So every mm. time I see like the people, like honestly, like Merritt, I follow you on Twitter and like, I always love your tweets and I'm always, you know, depending on what game you're on or what, whatever you're doing, I always wondering like, what do you, what do you actually think about Warframe and why, <laughs> like, wh like, what is it? And I think there's something that I, th I don't know if it's too, not, I'm not saying for you, but I sure. think it's like too weird for some people or yeah. there's like a smell to it that just isn't mainstream for some reason, because a lot of people play Warframe, mm -hmm. but not a lot of people talk about it. So I don't know why that is. I don't know. 
what the smell is. I don't know. So if <laughs> you could, um, before I ever played it, I would see people talking about it. And, you know, this was before I was, I sort of had like a, like distrust of a lot of life games back then. So this wasn't specific to it, but like, I would, I would see people occasionally talking about it and just be like, oh, this is a game for perverts. Okay. Um, <laughs> not, not in like the you know, necessarily sexual sense, but just like, oh, this is like a weird, you know, it's like tons of like stats and like just very weird character designs. Okay. Yeah, sure. It's, I'm putting it where in my, the part of my brain that also holds fantasy star online. Um, and, and that's that. And so I think there is probably something to that is like, um, it is like, I think that's a consequence of like making kind of bold aesthetic and narrative choices is that to a lot of people that's going to be like, oh, this doesn't fit into, this doesn't look like what I expect it to look like, or like, I can't make heads or tails of this. So, uh, you know, I mean, it's not for me. Like- if you compare Warframe to like other games that have lots of like new characters and where one of the big appeal is, oh, they've mm. added a new a new guy to this one. Like, like it's very re- yeah, like Genshin, like a very reductive way to refer to it is it's very tough to sell like w- people on Warframe from like a shipping perspective right, or yeah. like this char- you know thick and like characters. Like you look at um oh, I don't even know who like um you look at um. Baruch, and it's like, okay, this guy doesn't have a face. (laughs) (laughs) Crucially, Uh, none of the Warframes, well, I don't know if any of them at this point, but most of them don't have eyes even, right? Right. Like, that's a deliberate choice, and it makes the game look really distinctive and unique, and, like, I love the way that Warframe looks. But yeah, it is, it's, you can't just be like, we added a new anime girl. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's like, everybody on Twitter is saying like, mommy, you know, right, like, that's right. the closest thing you maybe get is like, Hildren and stuff like that. You've, you, they're like, Warframe, I think can definitely express itself with like characters and personality and like movement and, you know, emotes and, you know, body types and all that kind of stuff. But it is, Kind of a harder sell to, I think, a, too, a mainstream audience. Too Cronenbergian, maybe. <laughs> right. But, but oh that's why I love God. it. It's great. Like, that's, to yeah. me, it doesn't look like anything else. Um, there are a million games with anime characters. There are a million games with uh, army oh army guys. How many games are there with, um, you know, really wet uh, <laughs> alchemists? Bug people, yeah. Who are, bu- who are also bugs or, like, two guys slammed into one guy or a uh, Kirby, but his stomach is a big mouth, like very one, important one. question. There's one. It's Warframe. Yeah, there's one. And, it, and, and I treasure that. I do, but it, it is, you know, and the instigating mental part of this I have is like, I don't know what it is. Like, it's just, it's mm. mainstream, but it's really not. And we're, people compare us to games that are way above our weight class, frankly. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is always very challenging because we're, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, we got bought by Tencent and stuff, but like nothing has changed for me and the team in that regard. And like, like even though now we're part of like the biggest, um, I I guess one of the biggest, I don't really know, but like, I still don't, like, I don't feel like I'm part of it because if we're so independent still, but we're not independent, I know, (laughs) um, because we're owned by Tencent or whatever, but like, like for my day to day, nothing has really changed, but we now are in a bigger Picture right. like you know, like uh, the Path of Exile team are also owned by. Um, oh right, Jesus! Right, like yeah. Ryan, uh, disclaimer: Ryan is, We are also owned by Tencent. <laughs> we are also owned oh, by Tencent. Re- so, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a lot of that going around. Um, we and, literally uh, just keep forgetting. Like I, I keep. 
I didn't re- realize that Warframe had been bought or that that Digital Extremes had been bought by Tencent or or yeah, the I thought they had company. been bought. By, I thought you had been bought by that chicken company. We were, and then they, they sold, got bought. Yeah, oh, they got bought. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. We yeah. always forget who is owned by Tencent at this point because like everybody is because either crucially owned by Tencent we don't Embracer. we don't like no one keeps us up to date on these things. We don't have special access to right. things. Um, oh, th- this is wild then. So like, that's what I mean. Like we yeah. didn't both know that and we're right. talking about it. And, and this is right. when we discovered that. Like, so like, that's yeah. how little impact it's had. <laughs> um, not like, I'm not, I'm not saying this in any other thing, but there's in facts. So yeah, that's, that's yeah, no, oh it's, my God. it's funny. Tencent's yeah. management style is often just like, okay, we bought you now. Just like make sure the numbers go up above this line <laughs> for the next like six months. And then like, they never talk to you again. <laughs> yeah, I don't right. know, man. Like I, that's so wild, but yeah. Oh, okay. That's but yeah, no, crazy. But it's, it's, it is funny that um people, you know, that Warframe has like made it into the same weight class. Like you put it as a lot of other live games, because to me, like, um, I still think of digital extremes as like a, a scrappy, maybe it's just the Canadian thing and I'm Canadian, so I'm allowed to say this. <laughs> um, but just like being Canadian, it's like, wow, you're competing with like, you know, these, you know, the big teams in the US with, with Bungie and with Square and in Japan and all this stuff. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's cool, right? Like it's, it's cool. Like obviously, you know, the team has grown and like it's, it's gotten bigger, but um, you just love to see a little guy win, you know? I mean, that's that's just it, right? Like the, I guess we're not really punching above our weight class anymore. Like I said, because we we have a parent company, but whatever. Like we've we've, we've rambled, but that's on that fairly enough. recent. Yeah, I mean, like that. Yeah. and I think the you know the the associations with those other games uh, date back before that too. So oh, they they totally do, and I think that was you know if we want to get into the mind share of of the gamer's ability to compare and contrast and what what that's like for teams that at the end of the day, everyone wants to see everyone else succeed. Like I, mm. like I am obsessed with <laughs> playing games in the industry, which means every game developer in my heart or like, and my heart and soul are my friends. Even if they don't know me, I'm like, I love you guys. You're my friends. Cause, cause we all, we all go through it, it being whatever. I know Darren Corb is my personal friend because I, do you see what deep, I'm saying? I formed a deep emotional attachment with him personally by playing <laughs> like, Hades and I know exactly. a lot about him and, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, parasocial who? I don't know. Yeah. He's my bestie. Like this is this is this is how I go. But uh, yeah, so when like when people compare the the compare and contrast ability on websites that don't allow for nuance is very toxic. It's just like mm. it's, it's 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 yeah, it's, it's zero all the way down. It doesn't need to be right. Exactly, mm. and it's you see this with like any time like someone tweets about like Xbox versus PlayStation. Like it's the same language. It's it's all the same shit. Like it's right. comparison and contrasting is the only way to validate what you like better and putting something else down to put your favorite thing up. It's just, I don't engage with it. I don't do it, uh, but people do it. And it's the way to be. Yeah. So yeah. For me, just get I, off Twitter. Don't read it as, as much as you can. <laughs> yes. That is the, that is the diagnosis and that is the cure. However, <laughs> I hate, I hate myself. So I go on Twitter. No. All the time. <laughs> so I'm always on Twitter, but no, I think my point is we like to try to make the video game and people compare it to many things, but we all know the truth, which is everyone wants everyone else to succeed and mm. learn from each other's successes, which is why I have Bungie's GDC talks open on my other monitor. So like <laughs> we, we willingly share info yeah. and GDC is awesome because game devs yeah. get together and are like, yo, here's what worked for us. Here's what didn't. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what that means in our context. So that's, that is the, 
Mm. Better for everyone. A rising tide raises all boats, especially yeah. when it's climate change driven and no one can <laughs> be not on a boat. So. <laughs> Just getting real dark for a second there. Yeah, let's go um, there. I don't know what you know. Well, Listen, we were talking about the ending of one era, the beginning of a next. Yeah, well, let's the, go. The, the time of man is over. Ah, uh, it's time. It's it, Oryx's time to shine now, baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yes. Meat's back on the menu. Um, <laughs> I think probably this podcast is is going off the menu, though, right now, I think right? So. Well, I mean, you know, everybody's had their meal and they can move on to another thing for next week. You yeah. know, got to let them give, them give them about seven days to digest <laughs> for the next episode of 99 Potions. Like just a like really short term Sarlacc. <laughs> yeah, we it will be slowly digested over a period of seven days. <laughs> well, that's not too bad. I, I think right, I could okay, handle that. All right. uh, thank you, Reb, so much for being on. And yeah, and it's so great to talk fun. to you. Oh my god. Yes, this is the best. I'm, I'm <laughs> tr- literally smiling as I speak this whole time. So very happy. Thank you. And thank you, Merritt, for uh, guesting on this episode as well. It's been too long. Yeah, uh, glad to be back. Uh, and thank you to our producer, Jordan. Uh, you can follow Jordan on Twitter at, at Jordan underscore Mallory. Where can people find you, Merritt? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Mary Kay. And Reb, do you want to share? Do you have anything you want to share? Anything you want to plug other than obviously the video game that you are in and work on? <laughs> well, if my wonderful one hour pitch on Warframe didn't inspire you to play it and <laughs> all the places we went with it, you should play Warframe. We have a Tenocon coming up. It'll be great. I'm working on it right after this yeah. podcast. Don't miss it. That's that's a good uh, that's a good shout because like uh, if people don't know like Tenocon the actual like Warframe convention that used to be in person maybe will be one day again but has not been for obvious reasons you know with things being the way that they are in the world usually really 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 big announcements at Tenocon and actually it's probably one of the places where I usually see like the most. If you look on Twitter when people are posting from Tenocon and like, you know, I remember when I was posting from Tenocon, like in the on the show floor watching Teno Live and stuff like that. And people would always just like respond to my tweets like, what is this video game? Mm-hmm. Like, what is going on over there? What have you people done? Um, so, yeah, if people want to check out Warframe and see what's going on next, that's on Ju- that's in July. When is July that? 16th. Please July 16th. take a look. It's going to be really weird and awesome. Ooh, I'm excited. The the weird shit. I we, the one thing we didn't really spoil much after like New War is like the very last shot of the thing that happens in that thing, mm. uh, which is very out there. Um, so people should go go uh, catch up on the game and see for themselves. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at. Stephen Strom, S-T-E-V-E-N-S-T-R-O-M. You can follow Fanbyte Media on Twitter at Fanbyte Media. And just generally, go tell your friends. Go go, let everybody know that uh, they should go listen to 99 Potions. And that's still one of the best ways that we have to grow the show. And that's one of the best ways you can currently support us. Go read the website. It's also a great way to support us. We have a lot of uh, writing about Warframe, in fact. And a bunch of the other video games that we talked about on this week's episode. Uh, that should just about do it for us. Uh, but as, uh, oh, Reb no. and Merritt, you both know that we have a tradition on this podcast that we I do. I thought you stopped time. doing this because people complained. Oh, we changed it. Oh. And we have a different tradition. Oh, now. why is it now? Uh, we like to sidle on up over to the, the bar. I don't know why it's a bar because they are potions and you would think mm-hmm. that there would be some kind of like alchemist or potion seller, but John decided it was a bar and we sidle up to the bar, we grab a big potion and we give it a nice
Thank you.